church, you may take your seats. So thank you for coming along tonight. It says just a couple of announcements before we bring Lisa up. It says if there are any kids in here, we've got a kids space uh, just out to the back door there to the left if the kids would like to go into there. If you've got young children with you, then there's a wee parent and baby room to the left uh, there so you can go out uh, that way. We've had the pastor's Bible study on on Tuesday evening and at the end of the service tonight we know that the, this, this whole story that Lisa is sharing this evening, you know there will be one person in here who probably will not have been affected by this at some point whether through a family member, a friend or even personally yourself and so at the end of the service if you would like to talk to somebody, if you would like prayer and then we have a prayer team available just at the end of the service, just at the back of the church there. They'll be wearing a wee sign and it just simply will just allow you, give you the opportunity. Uh, because I know as we come and hear from Lisa tonight, this is, um, uh, this is her journey for the last 18 months and it's ongoing. Uh, and th this is, we heard it, a part of it at the ladies conference and stuff. I sneaked in at the back and did some, we said... <laughs> Listen, you, you've got to share this with the church. So this is a testimony of your story. And what you'll get with Lisa, as we know, is a very honest um, story of what happened. And, you know, without further ado, let's bring it, give it up for Lisa as we bring her up. <laughs> Lisa is a bit of a diva, so we have to have a fan for her room temperature water and things like that so I just hello is that me come on okay I'm going to try and not make eye contact with you tonight because looking over this this afternoon I was getting a bit emotional and there's a lot of people in here tonight that really was with me the whole time um, from diagnosis right through to the present day there's family and there's friends and there's people that I don't even know that I've just met tonight that were with me on this journey. So I'm gonna try my best not to make eye contact with you in case I cry. So if somebody beside you is crying, it's probably one of my friends or family because they do cry a lot. So just give them a nudge, give them a tissue. I'm sure they'll be all right They're over that side of the room. Um, <laughs> all the gurners are on that side of the room. This side you're okay, but this side maybe not. So. Let me see where I'm going to start because there's a couple of beginnings. Um, you know, you can go on and hear anybody's cancer story if you're going to Action Cancer. And you can go on to Macmillan and all those other places and hear dreadful stories of people, women, men, that have a journey of cancer. But I'm not here just tonight to, to talk about a journey of cancer. It's a journey of faith and cancer. You know, it is, it is a journey where I have um, met God, I suppose, in a, in a much stronger way than maybe that I've ever done before. And so it's that kind of journey that I want to share with you tonight. On the 23rd of June, um, in fact, do you know what? This time last year, I had just 
um, been for my second round of chemotherapy. And the year before that, we had just buried our mum. And the 25th of June, I sat down the back, just beside the sound desk, and my wee class sang a song called All of Our Tomorrows. And it was about how God has all of our tom tomorrows, tomorrows, <laughs> it's like a real shankle, um, <laughs> have all of our tomorrows planned, and how he is sovereign, and how we're just pilgrims in this world. And you know, um, but I sat down there knowing the two days later that I was going to the hospital, but I really wasn't that worried. I didn't really feel like there was going to be anything too wrong. But you know what? In a split second, everything can change. You know? And two days later, I left my, my school classroom and I said, to, my, my classroom was a mess. We were clearing stuff out. And I said, I'll be back at lunchtime. And you know, I didn't go back for another year. I left that morning just thinking that I was going to the hospital. And in that split moment, you know, things changed. So I went to that appointment um, and I had to um, get a few tests and stuff done and the radiographer said to me, are you on your own today? And I knew, I knew when he asked me, are you on your own today, that something was wrong because he did this afterwards. And I said, well, my husband is in the car because nobody was allowed into the hospitals with um, COVID. So we sat there and he says, well, we're going to speak to you. I'll give you the results of these in, in 30 minutes or so. And we sat and we sat and we sat in that waiting room watching other women leave with little pink packs, women that had just been diagnosed with cancer. And we knew as they continually lifted this one file and then kept saying to each other, no, we need the breast kerners and sat it back down. I just knew, I knew it was going to be mine. And we went in and we sat down and the breast care nurse was there and I said to the doctor, I know what this means. I, I know what this means. And so she sat and she said, um, Lisa, you have, um, you have breast cancer um, that's spread to the lymph nodes. Which, although she said it much slower than that, it was really slow. And anybody knows me, my brain is like a Ferrari sometimes. I just wanted her to get to the next part. And then she pushed her tissues across at me like this. And I pushed them back <laughs> and went, no, 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 um, no. And at this point in time, Stephen, he was in a state of panic and I was rubbing his back. <laughs> Going, it's all right, Stephen. It's all right. It's okay. And she said, have you got any questions? And I said, no, no, no questions. I just think I just didn't believe what she was saying. So she brought us in and started the word making up my little pink pack for all the information that you need about the treatment of breast cancer. And she said, do you have any questions? And I said, no, no questions. And so they went and they got the surgeon and the surgeon came in and he says, Lisa, I've never known a teacher to not have a question. And I said, no, I have a question. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, can you get me to Everest? Because I had booked to go to do the walk to Everest and I just been diagnosed with cancer. So I said, can you get me to Everest? And he says, well, let's just wait and see. Okay, that didn't happen, but we'll get to that part of the story. So off we went and we got to the car and I thought I'll wait a few days before I tell my family and my friends. And, but we got to the car and because Stephen was waiting in the car for so long, the, the battery had died. And I thought I'm gonna have to phone my brother. <laughs> I'm gonna have to phone somebody. But I watched, I sat in the car and Stephen was out of the car and he had his phone in his hand and I could see him in the rearview mirror. 
and he phoned every one of my friends and every one of my family. And there's some of them are here tonight, so they'll remember that phone call. And, and I just watched him make each call to tell them the news. And you know, I didn't know how I felt at that time. I was upset, but I didn't know how feely how I felt, but I did know this. I thought, those songs that we sing in church, those lyrics that we belt out week in, week out, now I'm gonna have to prove that they're true. That I'm gonna have to now not just sing them, they have to actually mean what that we sing every single week. And you know, when I got home and I read two Psalms, and the first Psalm was Psalm 33, verse 16. says this, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation and by his great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. You know, I'm going to explain what that means in, in just a minute because you're probably thinking, what's she talking about an army? What's she talking about this great strength? What's she talking about a war horse for? But in Psalm 20, it says, some trust in chariots and some on horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Do you know, we trust in so many things. At this particular time in history, David was talking about the horses and chariots when he was going into war. But here I was reading it in terms of my breast cancer. Here I was reading it in terms of my attitude of self-reliance. I'd looking to think, well, some trust in just chemo, some will trust in surgery, some will trust in the doctors. And yes, we do trust in those things and we have to trust in those things. But we as Christians have something greater to trust in as well. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know, I am a bit of a control freak. I love being in control. I love trusting my own plans. In fact, if we go on holiday, Matt will tell you he loves my plans if the Davises are with us. I have everything planned down to the very last second. In fact, you're not allowed to laugh unless it's planned. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> but when we get diagnosed with a serious illness, and there's lots of people in here will know what this means. I'm not the only person in this room tonight that has a diagnosis of a serious illness. But we don't have to count the odds. Those verses mean that we don't have to count the odds. What's my odds is what we ask the doctors. We'll ask them, what are the odds? What, is the, what, is, what will be the outcome if I take this treatment? What will be the outcome if I take this chemotherapy? You know, and they are important. They are super important. But we don't just trust in the doctors. We trust in the Lord our God. Because the, the outcome is his, in his hands, regardless of whether I stand here today with the treatment working or whether it don't. The, the, the result is in God's hands. You know, so anyway, so the next time I went to the, the doctor and they were able to tell me that the tumor was four centimeters and that had it spread to my lymph nodes. They always also were able to tell me that it was a grade three cancer, which is quite an aggressive cancer. So the first surgery was scheduled um, for a few weeks later and that was okay. It was a bit rough, but that was okay. Um, and two weeks later I went back and I didn't get the all clear. So I'm laughing to myself because we sent a message to Springfield parents saying that hopefully I'll be back in September. <laughs> but I wasn't back in September. I was heading for my second surgery at that time. Um, so I went for the second surgery and when that happened, um, they found that there was another tumor um, that they didn't get the first time. So they didn't know whether it had grown new or it was, um, it had broken off. You know what? 
I would love to say that I would stand in here with some sort of bravery, but I'm really not. Um, I hated that I feared chemo, but I really did fear chemo. Um, so I took it upon myself being a control freak that I was going to be in control. I'm really competitive. I love winning. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to take cancer head on. And I bought a really expensive juicer, silly price. <laughs> and I bought a spin bike because I couldn't get to the gym with COVID. So I continued to exercise the best way that I could so that I would be ready for chemo. But you know what? It was not happening at all. I began to get really sick before chemo had even started. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't eat properly. I couldn't drink properly. I couldn't get up properly. I just felt so unwell from all of the surgeries already. And this was before chemo had um, happened. You know, I had a plan. But it turns out that my plan didn't kind of come to be. I needed to rely on God. God almost removed absolutely every device that I could think of for my own support because he was my support. He was the one that supported me throughout this all. I was completely reliant on God, you know, and spiritually it's the best place to be. But I was crawling long before chemo even started. And that fear grew bigger and bigger. Um, but I knew that God was sovereign and I trusted him. But my body was beginning to, to shut down. It really was. It was not good. I felt so unwell. Um, and so my first chemo was booked for the 13th of October. And, you know, I woke up on the 13th of October and it was exactly a year since the last time I said goodnight to my mum. So I really dreaded this day anyway. So I drove to the hospital um, with extreme fear. And I said to Stephen, watch those doors because I might do a runner. And I meant it. I really meant it. I thought, I'm fast. I, I don't care if I'm sick. I, I, <laughs> I will outrun them all. <laughs> I like, so I said to him, watch the doors. Um, because I, I was that scared. But, I, and it was really annoying me because during this time I just believed, you know, God is with me. God is sovereign. But here I was being really frightened. Um, and I wish that I could say that everything went according to plan, but it didn't. Um, it was a disaster. My veins exploded and the chemo leaked into my arm and we had to like do an emergency thing to, um, to kind of stop that. And I was sent home and I had to wait another week. So it was another week of dread to start chemo again. So I went back. This time there was no hiccups. I got my chemo, got my pick line put in. And I came home and I shaved all my hair off um, because I wanted, I didn't want actually to have to hold my hair in my hand um, when the time came for it to fall out. So I kind of thought, right, okay, I've done it. Round one, it's there. But then two days later, I had a, a temperature reading of 35. So I was told that I had to go to NE. And away I went to NE and my heart rate was really high. Um, my temperature was all over the place. So they kept me in. And that was hard because I was stuck in A&E for four days. Um, in a, but I was in a, in a private room, but I was, I was still in A&E. And I was so panicking over COVID and, and being so unwell and, and the thought of getting COVID. And do you know what? I just prayed then, God, you're in control of every cell in my body, every speck of dust in this room. And I trust you. And no matter what happens here, I rest knowing 
that this cancer is under your sovereign control. To believe that our life is left to chance, to believe that our life is to what ifs, is to trust in the odds. And do you know what, as Christians, we don't trust in the odds. And say again, we trust in the Lord. Um, this cancer was no accident. It was not a rogue cell. And I fully believe that God is fully in control, no matter what comes next in this journey. You know, I am doing well now. I'm doing really well quite now. Um, but should something happen tomorrow, I still believe that God is fully in control. So when I got home from hospital, I felt really rough. Um, my heart rate was still really high. And I just didn't want to move. And I, I, I went to the living room and I laid down and said, God, please, please help me. Please, please help me. I, I felt so awful. And I just thought about all of the people that God brought around me to help me through this journey. I thought about the phone calls, the 279 of them. <laughs> the text messages, the cards, the gifts, the visits with food, the visits just to come and pray with me and Stephen. Prayer groups from people that I don't know, and some of them I've just met tonight, and I know that they faithfully prayed. Do you know, I was so humbled every time somebody texted me to say I'm praying for you right now. Um, even becoming friends with other cancer patients was an absolute blessing. So round two um, came and gone this time last year, and I began to lose a lot of weight. My skin was gray, and I was no hair. I had no hair. I looked great. <laughs> so someone from one of the cancer places said to me, look, Lisa, do you know what to do? Write down all your wee successes. Write them down each day. And I says, I'll do it. And so I did. And it's really sad. It's a sad, sad reading. Because a lot of the times there's like two or three things on it. My successes were brushed my teeth, changed my pajamas, read my Bible. And that's it. That was my successes. Couldn't do anything else. Sometimes it was on there. Um, that, in fact, it was never on there that I ate something, actually. Um, but my brain was like a Ferrari. But my body was like a broken down Morris Minor. It really wasn't working. It was really frustrating me because I would be normally quite hyper and always full of energy. And to, to be like that um, was humbling, really. So I find it really hard to concentrate with having chemotherapy. And so every morning I would listen to Steve Lawson um, and his steadfast hope. And I would take notes on what he was saying that day. Um, and that was really encouraging because I couldn't, sometimes I couldn't read at all. Sometimes I couldn't read or watch TV. I couldn't do anything, but I listened to Steadfast Hope. And I listened to how God was in control, how God takes who he knows by the hand and leads them. I listened to all of his messages every day, 10 minutes, every single day. Um, but, you know, my heart rate was still high and sometimes my blood pressure was low. And this was really difficult because I just really felt like there was something wrong with my heart. Um, but every time they did some tests, everything seemed okay. But one night I had um, really severe palpitations. Um, it lasted for a few hours. And I put my watch on and my watch told me that I needed to seek medical advice. So I took the watch off and I threw it across the room. And, and I thought, I'm not even going to awaken Stephen. I'm not going to, I'm just going to, I'll be all right. I'll do some breathing. We do that in school. So we'll just start our breathing exercises. Everything will be okay. Um, and that was okay. And I spoke to the oncologist the next day, and she says, do not let that happen again. If that happens again, you need to come um, straight away to the hospital. So in December, um, it happened again. And we went to NA, and I was brought straight round to resuscitation. 
Um, my heart rate was all over the place and they couldn't get it down. It was 190 at one point um, and they tried to get the heart rate under control, but they couldn't. So I was told that I had to get my heart shocked. Now to be told that you're going to get your heart shocked is really frightening. You know, it's really scary. And I just was like, I'm God, I'm trusting you here. You know, I'm really trusting you here that you are in control. You hold my heart. You hold my heart rate and my heartbeat. Everything is in your control. Everything is in your plan. Um, but as soon as they gave me the drugs, I was high as a kite and I didn't know what was going on anyway. So it was, <laughs> it was fine. Um, so I got my heart shocked. And can I tell you, it was the best thing that happened. I started to feel better almost instantly. And then on the December 22nd, we went for round four. And when I went in to see the oncologist, I said, you know what, enough. Now I think you need a break. I think that you've had more than enough. Um, and I think we need to give you a two-week break. And do you know what? It just shows you how God's hand is in everything. Because on the 23rd of December, um, my father-in-law, Sammy, passed away. And that was really difficult for Stephen's family. It was really difficult for Stephen. But had he had to look after me through chemo, that would have been 10 times worse. So those two weeks break allowed him to be with his family, allowed him to be with his mum, allowed him to do those things. Um, so, you know, you can see God's hand in amongst or in controlling all of this. So the next three rounds of chemo um, was tough. It, it was tough. I was scared, as always. But during that time, I went to see the cardiologist. And he said to me, um, look, um, I'm going to give you this extra medication. That's all good. That's all well and good. And I says, look, I have rebooked Everest. Do you think it's going to be okay to go? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> he says, no. Definitely no. He says, Lisa, with what's wrong with your heart? Okay, so he discovered there was two other things wrong. He says, what, what's wrong with your heart? Had you went to Everest, you would not have come home. And when you think that when cancer saves your life, it's, it's a little bit scary. You know, um, but he says you wouldn't have come home. He says altitude and what's wrong with your heart, um, it, it, you it wouldn't have you wouldn't have survived. So I crawled the rest of those, um, the chemotherapy rounds. But here's what I've learned. Okay. Just after um, the first surgery, I read about Jesus calming the storm, and I really thought about that chapter. Some of you will know it. Most of you will know it. And where Jesus is Lord of the storm. And previous to the storm, um, Jesus spoke to the crowds and the disciples were there. This was a routine event. They got into the boat. The day was busy. And previously there were so many people there um, that their fear was that Jesus would be crushed. It was a normal day for them. And you know, the day that I went to, the, to get diagnosed was a normal day for me. I left my classroom a mess. I'll be back at lunchtime is what I said. And that's not what happened. So what happened as a routine event for these men, a normal day for the disciples turned into a lesson that they would never forget. And being on a boat was normal surroundings for these disciples, for these men, these fishermen. Um, and Jesus fell asleep. The winds and the waves began to stir. And I'm sure at the start, the disciples had no cause for alarm because this was their kind of thing. They were fishermen. They knew how to deal with storms. They knew how to deal with stormy weather. But this was no ordinary storm, and they were not in control. Um, 
it did get out of control. And I think to myself, when, when I read that, I thought, how do I fare when things get out of control? How do I fare with my Christianity? How do I fare with faith? Is, is this real or is it not? Is God true or is he not? Um, and so I thought to myself, do you know what? In Luke, the disciples call Jesus master, and in Matthew, they call him Lord, and in Mark, they shout, teacher, do you not care? And Jesus gets up and he speaks to the storm as if the storm's a person. He personifies the storm. And I think it's maybe to show that he's sovereign. He's sovereign over all. The disciples were afraid. Um, and when we read, they were just as afraid of the calm as they were of the storm because they realized, who is this man? They realized this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here on earth. And in our storms, may we remember who Jesus is. May we marvel at his control of the storm and may we be able to rest knowing that he is in control. So Jesus led the disciples to the storm to learn a lesson and that is a big giant lesson that I think in terms of my own faith that I have learned that God is sovereign and he is Lord over all. You know, in Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Do you know when you number your days, you think about death and anybody in here who's had a cancer diagnosis or is going through cancer or has been through cancer, or who has family that's going through cancer, you think about death a lot. You think about it all the time. In fact, I thought about it so much in December that I wrote down my funeral, although I called it a Thanksgiving service. And it was very specific about what I wanted because I felt that unwell. I didn't think. I was, I was thinking to myself, I might not make this through. I might not make it through. So I made sure that I put it on the computer and I said to Stephen, look, my funeral is there should you need it. And there's also a message for you. And in that message was actually how he needs to eat if I was to die. <laughs> no, just a piece of banana and bread, you know, to bring for his lunch. <laughs> so, but you think, about, you think about death, you think about it all the time. And that's what I mean, like in December I thought about it that much, that I wrote down my Thanksgiving service. But you know what? The, the Bible says we should consider it. We should consider it. Um, because the, the Bible actually says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I thought to myself, do you know what? Even if, even if I die, even if the God is the God of eternal life. You know, the gospel really is good news. That's what it means, but it really is good news. And without Jesus and the death of Jesus on the cross, there would be no forgiveness for our sins, for every one of us in here is a sinner. And without forgiveness, we're on a journey of death. But as a Christian, we don't have fear of death. We might not want to be there when it happens. <laughs> really want to be there when it happens we might not particularly like suffering i hate suffering i'm not a great sufferer um but you know what with christians we have a hope we have a hope that is steadfast and certain in fact paul says in philippians for me to live is christ and to die is gain think about that for a minute to die is gain nobody ever thinks to die is gain but yet as christians this is our hope this is what we have in the face of death in Psalm 63, and I think Tim maybe shared this last week, because your steadfast love is better than life, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, 
I will lift up my hands. Do you know, some people would not trade their identity for anything. I'm from the Shankle. Um, we're all into our identity. Um, we're all into, you know, symbols and all things like that. But do you know what I'm to tell you something? I wouldn't trade my faith, which has been strengthened through the cancer journey. I wouldn't trade it for anything. In fact, I would absolutely hate it if tomorrow I went to the hospital and they told me that my cancer had returned. I would be devastated, I'm not going to lie, but would I change what I've went through? Probably not, because that faith, my faith has been strengthened. My faith is certain. And this year has given me a deeper understanding of God's sovereignty, his faithfulness, and his love. God is at work behind the scenes, and one day we'll understand all of our sufferings. We'll understand why we stand here and give testimony about our cancers. But until then, we trust him because everything that happens is for his glory and our good, no matter how hard we find that to understand. And I'll finish with this. In Psalm 28, it says, Blessed be the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song, I will praise him. Isn't that amazing story? Inspirational and that. Um, we love Lisa's honesty. We just didn't get up here and tell us superficial things about what had happened and stuff. Very honest. And at the end of the, the story, it's only right for us to say this. Isaiah said, uh, Christ, God, was with her through everything that happened to her. He says, if all she could do every day was just open the Bible and read one verse, all she could do was put on a YouTube video of Steve Lawson, the preacher. And it says, and I know Lisa would want us to finish this way by presenting the opportunity for people to say, listen, it says, listen, life is hard, but God is good. And, and that's the truth of it, that, that there are things that happen to us. And we get fed up sometimes of hearing a message that says, oh, if you're a Christian, then you'll never have anything hard happened to you, anything tough happened to you. Listen, life is hard, but God is good. And in the midst of everything that Lisa went through, he said her security, her assurance, her certainty was that God was in control. And you see, that opportunity is there for each and every one of us tonight. He says, no matter what we're going through, I don't know how you have come to church this evening. I don't know what's going on in your life at the moment. But I know that you are not here by accident. I know it was not an accident to hear what Lisa has said tonight. Because at the end, we present the opportunity to say, you know what? God is interested in every aspect of your life, what you're going through. It might not be cancer. It might be something else. It might be a marriage breakup. It might be problems with the kids. It might be about to lose your job. It might be any of these things. And you look at it and say, you know, listen. It says, Lisa can stand up here and testify to say, God brought me through the cancer, the journey that I went on through that. And listen, it's not over because she's got, to, got for checkups and there are other things. And as she said, it, it could come back. 
But you stand up here tonight, she stood up here tonight and given the assurance, even if it does, God is in control. He's not forgotten about her, not given up on her and stuff. And that same assurance is, can be had for each and every person that's gathered in here tonight. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we put these nights on. So we can hear the story, the testimony, and what Lisa said at the beginning, this is not a story of how hard cancer was, because it was hard. This is one of the, the experiences you get as a pastor, is to see the journey that people go on. And the journeys aren't always good. And that, but for me to see her standing up here tonight, not simply saying, that it was great, journey wasn't too bad and all of that. It's just to express that actually, all the way through the journey with cancer, God was with her. He was her refuge. He was her strength. And he can be that for each and every person that's gathered here tonight. Don't waste the opportunity. He says, when you're faced with listening to a story like tonight, it forces you to confront the question of what happens to me at the end. Lisa said it. We're presented with the gift of eternal life. But it's a choice whether we accept that gift. And that gift is presented to each and every one of us. We will continue to live in our own way and say we'll do our own thing. But God presents to us the gift of eternal life for each and every one of us tonight. And even in the journey of life that we go on and we go through like Lisa, he is with us. What better assurance is there to know than just that? Let us take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you this evening for Lisa for her story. Father God, for your assurance and certainty of who you are with what she went through. But Father, we know tonight that that presentation, uh, uh, that gift that is on offer is there for each and every one of us. Every person gathered in the church tonight has that choice to accept that gift of eternal life. The assurance and certainty of knowing that life is hard but you are good. And Father, as we come tonight, we ask that you would continue to speak to hearts tonight. The Lord, if there are people in here that need prayer, if people in here just need assurance, Father, we pray that they take opportunity to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There will be some of us at the back door of the prayer team. If you would like prayer, then please come. Uh, and ask us, we can take you to a side group, just chat away with you and pray with you. I feel we should do this tonight because I'm a pastor, the church is full, you need to mention the offering. Okay, so <laughs> what we'd like to do is this tonight is, uh, I know the Action Cancer Bus that travels all over Northern Ireland is entirely based on people donating to them, funding, they don't get any funding purely people's donations and we're a church that loves to do the spiritual but we love to do the practical as well so there is a bucket outside there and listen if you have any cash any cash that goes into that bucket tonight uh, not the, the pink offering envelopes but any cash we will donate that to action cancer tonight now if you're thinking i haven't come with any cash with a card machine okay <laughs> we cover all bases in this church Okay, failing that, if you don't have that, it says we'll drive you over to the ATM, okay? <laughs> but listen, it says, uh, Reese will be on, Reese will be on there. 
the, the, the desk tonight with the card reader, the bucket, please listen. Whatever you give, we're giving to Action Cancer because we have seen it firsthand of people using that service and we want to help people and stuff. That's what we're about. So we're going to do that uh, this evening. We're going to hand over to the team uh, for the final song this evening. Thank you. Church, let's stand and sing together.
let's just close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time spent in your presence this evening. We thank you for this story. We thank you for Lisa's story and how you have brought her through to this day. We thank you that you are sovereign and that you're in control of every season and every storm in our lives. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that walks with us every day in the darkest and most difficult of days, that you are with us, that you are for us, that we know that in everything we will step into tomorrow that you go before us. God, we just thank you for everything you've done for us and pray you would keep us all safe as we part ways this evening in the name of your precious son, Jesus.